morning, ladies and gentlemen, saints of God. So happy and privileged to be here this morning once again. But at the same time, I should be quick to say I'm a little bit shaking because the time-conscious society that I'm standing <laughs> before today. <laughs> but uh, by the grace of God, I would like to share this morning on a subject which I believe to be kind of so much forgotten in the church of our Lord today. When you see, when we read the history of the early church, they knew that Jesus was coming soon. Some of them, I believe, they wanted for him to set up a kingdom to fight and overthrow the Romans' government. And probably some of them spiritually understood the kingdom he was speaking about. So when he told them to go, first of all, and witness to Jerusalem, to the uttermost parts of the world, they had that desire. They knew as quick as they do it, as soon as they could accomplish that, then the kingdom would come. Today, we certainly believe from all that we see around us that he's soon coming. When we read our newspapers, when we watch news on our television, from all corners, from all circles, from all angles, in fact, starting from our very own homes, we get no doubt that he's soon coming. A few days ago, when I was back home, I saw something which I thought it was so strange. When I was growing up, my father always told me how to respect, especially someone with gray hair, but all those who are older than me. That day, I saw a young man who did not in any way respect his biological father. And I'm like, ah, oh, this should be a sign of his coming. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot ignore it anymore. This morning, what I would like to encourage ourselves and remind ourselves to is winning souls for Christ, reaching out to somebody. When was the last time that you remember you witnessed to someone willing to win that soul for Christ. I believe we live in a day and age whereby witnessing has been reduced to a certain group of people. We no longer trust in fishermen. We no longer trust in tax collectors. We no longer trust in the ladies who once had demons, demons in them, but we think it's the pastor, the missions pastor, and this other group, they should go out. The rest of the church folks, we sit comfortably in our churches, we read our Bibles, and we try as much as we can to lead a good and righteous Christian life, neglecting going out to preach, to witness to someone. In John chapter 15, verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. It's so amazing how of all the people on this planet, he reached out to us to bring us over to his team and he trusts us to go out to stand in his stead and to speak on his behalf. 
In John chapter 20, verse 21, he says, as my father sent me, so send I you. We cannot run away from it. What about the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20? All this reminds us that we have a duty, we have a responsibility to go out and reach out, witness to someone, because it's the, our master's uh, goal and it's the duty that is given to us. But church, I believe we are forgetting it all. And all the same everywhere. When we are looking up for the pastor, we look for the degrees and all that he got in school, not knowing that a good number of our seminary, of our colleges today, theological colleges, what they are producing is far away from the principles of this book and from what the Lord told us. So we need to be reminded that it's not him or her, it's me whom the Lord is calling upon to go and witness to someone. But just like the days that we live in, we want to cut an image of a good guy. We don't want to inconvenience anyone. We feel we should be good to everyone. We've ended up becoming people pleasers instead of pleasing God. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, now is the time that we need to step out as the church of the living God to go and witness to others. Well, and sometimes it may be against the rules, the laws, the obligations of the state, of the company, of our workplace, but whom shall we obey? Shall we obey the people here or more so the one who died on the cross for us? Or more so him who gave out his only begotten son for the salvation of our souls? Ladies and gentlemen, this morning I want us to look from the scriptures and find out the danger of being a people pleaser than being God a person pleasing God. And this morning, if you can open with me the book of Exodus chapter 32. By the grace of God, I want us to see Aaron as our example. It's amazing how God chose the house of Amram and Yoshobed to be a leading house as the people were moving from Egypt to the promised land. The young man Moses is born and because of the, the problems of the day, he's cast onto the river now, which is so close at home. Those of you who will be coming to Uganda, you'll be, this is one of the great things you'll see. It's so close. But anyway, they throw him or they lay him on the Nile. And in, after some years, we see a calling upon the life of this man. Just as like us, we were nobodies, but circumstances which took place, we ended up coming into the house of the Lord and on the team of the Lord. And when Moses meets with God, 
God sends Aaron to learn from Moses what their calling was, what the calling on this family was. Even their sister, we see her at the later stage joining in. God chooses people to work together with them. It's so sad that sometimes we exclude ourselves from this calling. We want to pass our responsibility on to someone else, and we prefer sitting comfortably, and we are no bad to anyone else. We live in the world which is so convenient. I mean, whenever I come over here, my mind is blown. Everything is becoming so soft, so good, so convenient. I, I couldn't believe these soft-flashing toilets. I mean, it's convenient. But ladies and gentlemen, we shouldn't be convenient. For the cross, we have to go out. We have to speak. We have to say it out. Okay, I remember, I know time is really not on my side. If we can turn to Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want, know, we want not what is become of him. God, in mighty way, with mighty miracles, never witnessed before, he leads these people out of Egypt. And after walking to the base of this mountain, Moses tells them, I've got to go back to him and get more instructions as of our next move. And surely they know he's going to meet with God because they understand he's the God of their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are willing for Moses to go and receive instructions from him. Forty days later, they become a different group of people. Surely nobody could have lived 40 days and 40 nights without food. They probably were right. But look at what they do next. They want something to touch. They want something to see. They are impatient. They cannot wait any longer. They cannot bear it anymore. I wonder if any one of us here can be described as the same. But I want to tell you, and I have to confess to you, I am one like this bunch of people. I'm so impatient. I've been impatient with my family, but also I've been impatient with God. It's like I understand much more than he does. I know better than he does. Most times I want to show him which way to go. And their impatience causes a problem. When we get to be impatient, normally the end result won't be good. 
And so because of impatience, they come with a, up with an idea. Just like you and me, our impatience cause us to come up with ideas, some of which are really against God's will. And they tell, they approach Aaron and they say, Aaron, seriously, we can't lead ourselves. Would you please make us gods? Now, I wonder how this came up to them, but surely they could remember the gods of Egypt and they were trusting in a supreme being, but this time they want a God made out of man's hands. Verse 2, the Bible says, And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them to me. And all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in the ears and brought them into Aaron. The people have got ideas. But Aaron as the leader, Aaron who had experienced the work of God firsthand, probably more than all these other people, Aaron who met with Moses, and Moses, when Moses was coming off the mountain, and Moses told him what had happened, what the experience was in between him and God. When the people approach him, he's got a different idea. As God's children, people look at us. They will approach us. But what ideas do we have? What kind of ideas are we going to give out? In our homes, our wives, our children, our husbands, they will look at us. They will expect to get something better, something good from us. But what will our ideas cause unto them? Will they bring people closer to God or our response would bring people farther away from God. God has set us up in positions whereby people will look unto us. They are listening to hear our words. They are watching to see our actions. They are always there to take our responses. But how are we going to respond when they approach us? When you look at Aaron... He told them to get the earrings, the golden earrings that they had, and his idea was different. Yes, they requested for a God, but they never requested for the golden calf. The golden calf was the idea of Aaron. The one who would have led God's people closer to him, he's got a different idea. In this day and age and society, let us not always forget that we are the salt of the world. We are the light into this world. He speaks to us through, his book, through this book. And always he reminds us what to do. The people want to see the Lord. And they are in darkness 
But he has set you up. He has set me up. He has set us up to be the point of reference. And as people look at us, the only thing they need to see from us is the light. The light that can save the world. Aaron, when he gets this up, verse 4, the Bible says, He received at their hand and fashioned it with graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be your gods, O Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. It's a statement which really can break anyone's heart. The one who is expected to know better, the one who is expected to stand in the name of the Lord, is the one who makes this golden calf and he sets it before the people. How quickly are they in forgetting who the Lord is and what he had done for them. When God was moving with the, the plagues, house to house of the Egyptians, keeping their houses, where was this golden calf? When they were moving at night and this pillar of fire giving them light, where was this golden calf? When he parted the waters, where was this golden calf? They were so quick to forget. And it's still the same thing today. We are so quick in forgetting who he is and what he's done to us. And whenever we forget, the next step will be against his will. Verse 5, and when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. When Aaron had produced to them, when he brought before them the golden calf, the people got wild. They were excited. They accepted it. They loved it. They had a God whom they could touch. They had a God whom they could see. They had a God made of gold. And Aaron still is in the same flow with them. When he saw that they were excited, even he announced, he made a proclamation that the sacrifices which were supposed to be given to God, now they should be given to this other God. The God whom he fashioned. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe on so many occasions, we have idols that we make in our hearts. We bow before them more than the almighty God. We are ready to fulfill the desires and the wishes of the idols of our heart than the will of God. 
But when Aaron did this, he was subjecting the whole nation, the whole group of God's chosen people under curse. As small as leaders might have appeared, but something in the spiritual world wasn't good. If you can turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 27. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 27, not Exodus. Deuteronomy chapter 27. And verse 15. Cursed be the man that makes any graven or molten image an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and puts it in a secret place. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. When they were coming into Egypt, sorry, when they were entering the promised land, there were two groups of people, six on this side and six tribes on the other side. Some, the six were to pronounce a blessing and the six was to pronounce a curse on themselves. And one of the curses were, if anyone were to set up anything, any idol of any kind, any image of any kind, then that person would be cursed. Aaron, who had witnessed God in his power in the 20th chapter, when he was giving them the laws, this time he's leading God's people away from him. Ladies and gentlemen, may God help us that on this day and age, right from our families to wherever he will take us, to remember that we are to draw people to him not away from him. In our churches, so many people have got ideas. As a pastor, I don't cease to wonder how people get such ideas in church. You find some members of the congregation talking ill about their leadership. They are so quick to point out someone's weakness, which affects other person's love for God. I mean, which kind of ideas do we have? As parents, when our children look at us, what kind of ideas? How do we, do we get them closer to God or do we draw them away from God? We need to know, we need to understand. And this morning, ladies and gentlemen, may we remind ourselves at the same time challenge ourselves to go out and witness to someone. Let us not seek to please them, but rather if it hurts them, then may it be as we witness to them and bring them closer to God. May I end with this question once again. When was the last time that you witnessed to someone in the desire of winning that person to the Lord? We shouldn't wait. We shouldn't pass it on. It's you, it's him, it's her, it's me. He's calling upon us. Let us not be comfortable and waiting for 
the soon returning king. But his desire is to have all the lost saved. Ezekiel 33, 11, his no desire of a sinner, of a wicked person to die in his sin. And he sent me, he sent you, he sent us. What an honor to be co-workers with God. What a day it will be when we stand before him and we see the souls that were one to him. What a great day it will be when he hugs us and say, welcome thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Let us pray. Wonderful Father, it's a joy to think of your love, your mercies, and your loving kindness. As we were singing songs of praise and worship this morning, Lord, you and you alone who is holy and who deserves our praise. We break ourselves before you this morning. Lord, forgive us wherever we've been found wanting as regards witnessing to the lost. Father, I pray that this morning you stir up our hearts that we may have this desire and hunger and thirst to reach out to the souls which are not yet born into the kingdom. We thank you for giving us such opportunity to work together with you, the holy God, and we, the unholy people. Lord, we want to thank you again for the name Jesus. We thank you for the blood which cleanses us. And this morning, we pray that may the Holy Spirit enlighten us, encourage us, strengthen us, and give us boldness to stand before our loved ones, to stand before our children, to stand before family, to stand before our workmates, and as many as the people that you bring to us as we witness to them. And Lord, we draw them closer to you not like Aaron, to draw them away from you. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray.